Welcome to The Thrive Perspective. This show is dedicated to survivors of child sexual abuse, sexual assault, and domestic violence. Now, let me ask you something. Are you just surviving in your life? Are you ready to thrive in your life? Well, yes, I bet you are, and that's why you are tuning in today. Hi, I'm Rena Romano, and a survivor of child abuse and sexual assault. The Thrive Perspective is an innovative approach to help you stop living in the past so that you can get unstuck and get back to happy and start living an unstoppable life. So let's get started with today's program. I am so excited today because my guest is Nikki Zeta. And she is not retired. No, no, she is refired <laughs> after 40 years in the golf industry into living her best, cool, retired, refired, authentic life and building a community of writing and being. And she's just an enthusiastic participant of life. And I'm so excited to have you here, Mickey. Welcome. Thank you, Rena. Thank you. I'm so, I'm just proud that you asked me to be a guest. Oh, well, I was a guest on your podcast, yes, right? Yes, you were. Yes, you were. We had a lot of fun and we're going to do that again. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. I'm just so excited. Obviously, when I decided to do interviews, I immediately thought of you and um, I had fun on your show. Tell me, I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions and then maybe some off the cuff questions at the end. And we're just going to have fun. The important thing is, like I tell my audience, this is all about positivity. And it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. So I know that you believe in being a survivor, that it's a choice, right? How did you how did you reach that conclusion, Nikki? Well, you know what, Rena, it was a real process because I didn't start out that way. I um, I lived in domestic abuse. That that was my, I'm a surf thriver of domestic abuse. I, I lived there for 34 years. And for many, many of those years, for women who lived in abuse, they, they didn't realize. They didn't realize that they were living in abuse. And I didn't. It, it sounds crazy. If you haven't been through it, you don't get it. But if you do, if you have lived in it, you know exactly. So what happened, I was 53. I'd been married 34 years, and I finally realized that I was not living my life. That was like a two-by-four to the head. Mm, yeah. <laughs> what, you know, I thought my life was great. We owned businesses. We lived in a big house. I had expensive cars. Our son went to private school. Our house was on a lake. We had boats. You know, from the outside, the picture was beautiful. But I say I had a sign in my yard, and it said, I'm fine, thank you very much. But I wasn't fine. I wasn't Aww. fine. I just didn't realize it. I thought I thought that this was normal. I thought this was my life. So in the process of realizing that I did live in abuse, that this I didn't have to live this way, that it was okay to change. Uh, it meant that I had to get divorced. It meant that I had to work on me. And that's the process I went through. Uh, I say I put myself for five years in a self-imposed repair shop. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it was, you know, it was not easy. It was, it, it was a long time. Some people take longer and some people get to the other side of, of that healing and that recovery quicker than I did. But um, that's how I became a, a thriver. That's, that's what happened. And, and I'm not who I was at 53. I'm not who I was, you know, at 60. So it's all been a process. It's, it's a big process. You Good know that. For you. It's, 
Good for you. Good for you. I'm so excited because we did meet in person and you just have this energy about you. And, you know, looking from the outside in, were your friends and family surprised when you finally shared your story of domestic <laughs> violence? I mean, yeah, yeah, they were. Um, the, the thing that hurt my feelings was there's no way they didn't know. There's no way they didn't know. Mm. But nobody addressed it. The very first time that I was physically bruised, I was, uh, I had only been married maybe five years. Uh, the, the emotional abuse was there, but not physical until that point. We were visiting his grandparents' house, and uh, he went ballistic about something that his parents asked me to do. And that was the first time I was bruised. He grabbed me by the arm and he threw me around the mm. room. The small house. Number one, there were four other adults in there, his grandparents and his parents. No way they didn't hear that. Well, the next day, of course, I had arm, you know, fingerprints on my arms. Wow. And I thought, well, I'm going to wear a short sleeve shirt, a sleeveless shirt. People are going to see this and they're going to address it and we can deal with this. Not a word. And so the message was very clear to me. Don't, don't talk about this. Don't blame our son for anything. You know, this is your problem. Right. I, I got that loud and clear. Interestingly, I wrote a book about domestic abuse. And it's called Looking Behind Closed Doors. And you know who I got to um, edit that was my former sister-in-law. My abuser. Wow. I know. And she, and she did a great job. And she said, Mickey, I have to call me after working on the book for a little bit. She said, I have to tell you, we all knew. We all knew, but we weren't, we just can't deal with it. We couldn't deal with it. And that's really sad. You know, the bystander effect. Um, I have a friend that speaks on that. And that's really sad because, but I think people are learning how to speak up if they see someone being harmed, abused. And do you think had they stepped in or, or said anything, would you have gotten help sooner? I don't know. Yeah. That's an honest answer because years after I was divorced, I, my youngest sister is 10 years younger than I. So I got married at 18. She was eight years old. And mm -hmm. I, I've said, I had said many, many times, I think if at 18, my parents would have said, don't do this. Don't marry this man. I probably wouldn't have done it. But you know what? I said that to my sister a few years ago. Now she's in her 60s. And she said, Mickey, I remember sitting on the stairs, mm -hmm. listening to you tell mom and dad, you were going to get married. And they were saying, you're only 18. You're not, you know, you don't know this guy. I'm sure they saw the controlling side that I didn't see. But here, I don't even, I have no memory of that. And my sister has a very clear memory of my parents suggesting that I didn't. My parents never told us what to do. They mm -hmm. always gave us options and we made our choices. And I, you know, I was 18. I knew everything. We make brilliant decisions when we're 18. <laughs> oh, we know everything. We're so smart, right? <laughs> That's yeah. right. So I don't know if people had, you know, maybe in that process, maybe in that 34 years, people did say, uh, you know, uh, think about this or do you realize where you are? I don't, I don't remember those things. And obviously, I, so I don't know. My, my honest answer is if somebody had said, hey, Mickey, you're living in abuse and you have options. I probably would have disregarded their their view of my reality. Well, don't you agree that um, we don't ask for help, number one, and number two, we don't seek help or ask for help until we're ready. Exactly. So people could see it, and 
um, offer to help, but you may not have been ready at that point. And I probably wasn't. I probably wasn't. So, right. yeah. And that's part of the human nature. That's part of the thing. So even, uh, even when I was coaching women who hadn't left abuse yet, I would say, don't let anybody talk you into leaving. Don't let anybody talk you into doing anything you're not ready for because you'll go back. Right. And it's always worse when we go back. I left, I left three times. My fourth time was the charm. But every time I went back, it was worse because why? Because control, abuse is about control. I'm talking domestic abuse. That's the, the abuse I know. Right. Um, you know, when, when we leave and we go back, it's always worse because now they know. They know that they don't have 100% control of who we are and what we're doing. Going back to, did, did the abuse get harder each time or? Yeah, yeah, it always did. The emotional abuse was much stronger. And my abuser is bipolar. So it really depended oh. on the mood he was in, the phase that he was in about what the abuse was like. So whether it was just emotional or whether he threw the physical in, there was always financial abuse, which I didn't even realize. I didn't realize that there was such a thing as exactly. abuse. I didn't know that. We, we owned businesses and we lived a nice life and we pretty much lived out of the, uh, out of the business. We, it's not like we pulled a salary necessarily. So we had a great lifestyle. And, but I figured out later that I was afraid to spend money. I was, you know, I would hide things and I became a really, really, I'm not proud of it, but I became a really, really good liar. Hey, we go into survival mode and we do what we do to protect ourselves. So, you know, that's right. That's what I, that's what I say now. It was a totally a, a protective, uh, a self-protective uh, situation. You know, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to be with you, Mickey, because you are such a, a, a a bundle of energy and positivity. And, and that's what this show is about, is to show survivors the endless positive possibilities of their potential and what life can look like. We don't have to be stuck. You're a big believer in personal mission statements. So what's yours, and Can you share how it's helped you stay strong and focused? Oh, you bet. I am a huge believer in personal mission statements. I learned that from one of my coaches that I had during my five years of, of self-imposed personal growth. And my mission, it, my mission in faith and in confidence is to align with divine intent and serve as a beacon to other women. So that's how I live my life now. Uh, it's how things happen. And I'm amazed at the things that happen. The people who show up, who mm -hmm. help me, uh, the, I, the, I didn't even know I needed their help or I didn't, or if I do need a particular direction or I need some guidance, the right person shows up every time or the right book or the right podcast or <laughs> something that's going to guide me. And I believe yeah. that that's because of my mission statement. In fact, um, I was in a master, I'm big on mastermind. I believe totally good for you. I was in a smaller mastermind group years and years ago and we set an intention and uh, this was after I developed my personal mission. So I, I, this is how I was living. And, um, we said my, we, I lived in Illinois at the time and we talked about where do you want to live in a few years? Where's, where, what, what's the thing? So I went back to my mission and I, I knew I always wanted to live in Florida and I wanted to have a house on the beach. So that's what I said. I, my intention is to live a, 
live in Florida and to have a house on the beach. Well, you know, things don't happen in my time. Things happen in universal time. And so several years later, I found myself living in Florida. I wasn't on the beach, but I loved living in Florida. I had a great job. Things were wonderful. Well, then I got contacted by who's now my current husband, a guy I dated in high school. And we're talking on the phone. We had never met. We had not met for 50 years. We dated when I was 15. He was 16. Did not see each other for 50 years. Kind of by universal guidance, I'm sure, because of my mission. He showed back up. We're talking on the phone. And like, we're talking on the phone. We talked for three and a half months before we ever got back together. But somewhere in there, like about a month in, he said, and I have a house on the beach. And I'm like, what? Back up, back up. Where do you have it? What? Well, I'm thinking my house is going to be on the beach in Florida. Well, his house is on the beach in Connecticut. And that's where I'm sitting right this minute. I'm looking out at Long Island Sound and it's phenomenal. So that's the power Number one, of living your mission, but number two, not being swayed from what you want. Set your intention and let it be that. It will be that. It won't necessarily be in your time frame. (laughs) It may take a little longer. It may take a little longer. But my life is, I can't even tell you. I I say I, I love the life I've created. And that's that's the truth. And that's the key, the life that you've created after abuse because you knew what you wanted. And I call it, you know, the law of attraction. Exactly. It works, but you do have to put it into action, too. You can't just sit around and say, oh, I want a house on the beach. But that is so cool, (laughs) Nikki, that you ended up marrying your high school sweetheart. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 50 years later. I was 15 when we dated. I was 65 when we got married. (laughs) That is fantastic. That's a great story. It's great fun. And, you know, another really important part about that is law of attraction does work. And when we're living in abuse, and I I suspect it's any part, but again, I'm speaking about domestic abuse because that's what I know. That's what I coach. That's what I've learned. That's what I live. But I know that if I hadn't changed, I would have attracted another abuser. Because I changed, I attracted this phenomenal man. It's like, and I, I like to think of life as kind of a, a um, chess game. You know, we can't see what's going on on one side of the board, but things right. are moving around to get us to where we are. And I think that's what happened with my husband's name is Alan, with Alan and I. Things were happening in his life. He was married. You know, he got divorced. I was married. I got divorced. And eventually, we we were ready for each other. We were both healthy enough. He wasn't as unhealthy as I. But he, we both became healthy enough that we attracted a, a great, healthy, loving, caring, safe, safe relationship. I like that. And I like that you said safe relationship. And so, and you and I know this, and I, I want to share with others that you can get help, get healed, get happy. That's my mission statement for Sir Thrivers. But we do have to do the work on ourselves. Absolutely. You yeah. agree? Yeah. I absolutely agree. People, you know, we have a choice. We have a choice in life in anything, not just in this. But our choice is to be happy, to move, to, to live a thriving, a survivor. A, uh, I called it shatterproof. That was my podcast was shatterproof. A shatterproof life. We have that option or we have the option to feel sorry for ourselves and to say, man, I was dealt a a rotten hand. You know, I married this man thinking that 
life was going to be great and that he loved me as much as I love him. And, you know, I got the short end of the stick and poor me, poor me. I say, you know, we had the option to build a condo in victimhood. Right. <laughs> I love that concept. <laughs> I like that. But, and I did. I felt sorry for myself for a while, not very long, a few months. But, but that's okay. The process. It's part of the process. Yeah. That's- and I grieved. I grieved for my marriage. I thought I was going to be married forever. I thought that I thought that this was, you know, a, a divine pairing. It probably was, but it wasn't for a long-term marriage. It was for me to figure out who I was. <laughs> but, you know, that's all part of it. That's all part of it. And now you have the marriage that you deserve. Exactly. And that's uh, that's what a lot of people don't realize. You know, a lot of things happen to us that wasn't our choice. And uh, so I was told once that, Um, as a survivor of child sexual abuse, I'm not responsible for what happened to me as a child, but now as an adult, I am responsible for making the choices and making my life happy. And even domestic violence, people don't realize, yeah, it's not your choice to be in an abusive relationship, but by the time you're in it, it's it, you're too late, but you made the choice to move on and get a happy, healthy, productive life. Now you talk about, earlier a little uh, a while back um you hosted a podcast what was it called my podcast was called shatterproof okay and then the, the rest of it was thriving after domestic abuse i love it I and loved it too. is it still up is it can is. we still listen yeah, to it yeah anybody can find it just just uh, google that name shatterproof thriving after domestic abuse podcast awesome. i pay to keep it up there i've got i think almost 200 episodes i podcast wow. for, for quite a few years and uh, and a lot of it is coaching, you know, my personal just me speaking solo cast. But I also interviewed hundreds of women. Well, me and Rena, <laughs> Rena was one of them. You know, a lot of people that if if you're in the podcasting, you're in the personal growth arena, you'll hear people like Rena that you know that I interviewed. And but every and every single one of them is a survivor, is a thriver after. And mine was domestic abuse. And I, I love that, Mickey. And you did a great job with that show. You also said you wrote a book. What was the name of the book? I wrote a book. It's called Looking Behind Closed Doors. Look, Because that's where we live. We live behind closed doors. And someone else already wrote a book called Behind Closed Doors. So I added looking. <laughs> looking Behind Closed Doors. And, the, I like and, and I like it too. And the subtitle is, If We Don't Change, Nothing Changes. I, I believe that because... How many people do you know who were married to an alcoholic mm. and they realize what the deal is and they get divorced? And a couple of years later, they remarry. And guess what? They're married to another alcoholic and they, that runs its course and they get divorced and they get remarried. And guess what? They're marrying another alcoholic. That happens with abuse. It happens with drugs. It happens with alcohol. It happens with pornography. But yep. what's the common denominator? It's the person who's choosing that type of mate. Well, I was, I and we don't know any better. We don't know any until better. we start doing the work. That's my point. I would have chosen another abuser. I did not. I'm just going to quickly tell you how mm-hmm. I believe I was attracted to abusers. I, I grew up in a loving home. I was the oldest in nine kids. My parents were wonderful. Mom was stay at home. You know, I'm talking about the fifties and sixties. Mom didn't work, right. uh, mm-hmm. but my brothers were dyslexic in the fifties and sixties. They didn't know dyslexia. They didn't know how to deal with that. So my brothers had serious acting out. They went to drugs. There were a lot, a lot of negative behavior. 
And they treated my sisters and I poorly. Well, what was I taught? I was taught that I should make excuses for poor behavior from men. So who am I going to be attracted to? I'm going to be attracted to a man who meets my expectations, who fits my view of what's normal. It wasn't normal, but it was to me. So I knew if right. I didn't change that, if I didn't change my my belief system, my I call it life patterns. If I didn't change those life patterns, which are hardwired, they're hardwired in our brains. The beauty is every one of us has the choice to figure out what's going on and make that change. And you just will not believe, I'm basing this on my life, but you will not believe how amazing your life can be. That's wonderful. I, it is too. And, and you're, you're proof. <laughs> you're, you're, you're proof right here. So, you know, it's, it can be a long haul and we all heal in our own time frame. Wouldn't you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. When people say, is there, you know, how long should it take for me to heal? That used to be the question with my coaching clients. How long, you know, it, it it's going to take as long as it's going to take. Yeah. Be patient so, with yourself too. I like to say. Be patient. Well, and you know, here's something else. I worked hard on me and I didn't have, I, I lived with a lot of money with my ex-husband, but when I left, I got nothing. So mm. I didn't have the money. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a job because we had always worked together. So my resume at 53 looked like I was a helpmate pretty much. I was starting over and. And was, that's okay. And that was great. <laughs> that was great. And I found that for most people leaving an abusive situation, there is financial abuse too. And so they don't leave with money. But I figured out that if I didn't pay coaches, if I didn't uh, pay counselors, if I didn't take the classes, buy the books, do those things, I wasn't going to change. I was going to stay in my little condo. I didn't want to do that. So I, I was lucky. I qualified for a real low limit credit card. But I used that to pay for coaching, to pay for those things because I didn't want to go back. So for me, for me, it took at least five years. However, once I got married, guess what I discovered? Some of that old stuff, some of that mm. old protective stuff, lessons I had learned to protect me, they popped back up. I was shocked. I was like, where did that come from? And I had I to- know. I have to say to Alan, listen, I just have to tell you that that's not exactly what's going on. And here's why. And he is, you know, he's so loving. He's so understanding. And so we could talk through and I would say, that's good. You know, I'm not going to do this again. But that was the shock for me. So how long will it take? As long as it takes. And I think for some things it takes forever because that stuff is cellularly in us. Yes. And we can work. We can change. We can do all those things. But some of it, I don't know, like shadows. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, it makes perfect sense. And, and if you're a survivor, it makes sense to us. I mean, we there's some unspoken words there that we know and, and we get it. It's like in my book, His Puppet No More, I wrote things and feelings and how, what I thought about. And I get messages from survivors. Wow, you put into you words. <laughs> you, yeah, you were able to put into words what I haven't been able to articulate in so many years. But I want people to know that um, I'm 64. I got help when I was 34. So, gosh, it's been 30 years. But I'm still doing continuing education and doing things to prime my mind for success. And continually, whether we've had trauma or not, it's good to continue with self-help, self-improvement. 
And I have a lot of friends that were never, um, had not gone through the trauma like you and I have, Mickey. They're always, you know, continually going through positive things to, to help them. So it's good to see what you're doing. And now after the podcast, please share with us what you're doing now, because I am in that group, even <laughs> though I'm not retired. I like to say I'm repurposed, but share, <laughs> share what you're doing now and how much fun you're having. Sure. I am having a blast. Again, this is a result of my mission. I'm retired. I retired. Well, I was going to work till I was 70, but I married Alan. Mm -hmm. He had the Connecticut house. I was in Florida. We have a house in Florida and I was still working. And then we thought we're spending a lot of money flying back and forth between Connecticut and Florida. And finally we said, you know what? You, you just need to retire. So I retired. It'll be three years this coming September. So I'm happily retired. I was still doing podcasting. I was still doing a lot of coaching, still doing all those things. And then I thought, all right, if I'm going to retire, I don't call it retired. I call it refired. So I like I, that. <laughs> I let go of the golf course industry, which is where I worked, and uh, embraced more of uh, being retired. So my sister retired August 31st of 2019. I sent a text to our sister-in-law who lives in Chicago and said, hey, Terry, did you know that Sandy retired? Now she's a member of the Cool Retired Women's Club. I never said those words before. Cool Retired Women's Club. And my sister-in-law responded, tell Sandy, welcome to CRWC. I love it. As soon as I saw that, my mission popped right in my head and I said, this is something. So I started a Facebook page that afternoon. That was September 1st. Was that last year? 2019. It's wonderful. I know a 10 months. It's been 10 months. So within like, within about 10 days, I had several hundred women like my group, like my page. I know. So I contacted a friend of mine and she said, who is a big on the Facebook side. She said, you really need to have a group. So on September 12th, I started a group that is cool. Retired women's club. Gotcha. The, uh, the page now is just Cool Retired Women group. Today, I hit 8,000 members in my group, in my open group. Say Eight, that again. 8,000 members in Cool Retired Women. In less than a year. In 10 months. Wow. That's I wonderful. Know. Yay. And they are the most amazing women. So um, anybody, it, it's a private group. You have to answer a few questions. But, you know, if you're not a man... <laughs> you're going to, you know, you'll get accepted. And it's amazing how many men apply to be members of the cool retired women. Doesn't make any sense. But anyway. may, well, because they're probably trying to pick up women. So. <laughs> Say, well, this is not, not a dating site. That's not a dating site. <laughs> and we don't, we don't talk politics there. We don't talk religion there. It's strictly inspiring, encouraging, supporting each other. And right. we're all over the world. We're in 16 countries. Wow. It's phenomenal. So it's, it's cool retired women and it's a group. So, um, actually if you, I think, is there an age, is there an age limit or just, no, not really. It, okay. You need to be retired and pretty close to 50 because okay. you're going to relate, you know, it's topics that we discuss in this group are topics that apply to those of us women who are over 50 years old. We have some women who retired early and they're in their forties. And we have some who are not for retired. Them. You know, I'm 70 and I don't call myself retired, but I qualify, you know. So it's it's really about age more than it is about whether you're retired or not. But cool retired women tells you, you know, we're not we're not 20 year olds. Right. 
Right. So, exactly. I, I like that. And even though we aren't fully retired, I think I think what we're trying to say, and you, you may agree with this, I am retired from corporate life. Right. But I am repurposed now to do my advocacy work. And, um, you know, my No More Shame campaign is to to encourage survivors to get help, get healed, get happy. I will never fully retire because we have a purpose and right. your purpose now. So we're, we're repurposed. And like you said, we're refired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love it. so you said that you were, you worked in the golf industry. So is that your hobby? Do you like to golf? I do. I love to golf and my new husband loves to golf. Good. So, we're going to have yeah. to get together when you come back to Florida. Yeah, we belong. We belong to a country club in, in Venice, Florida. And it's wonderful. It's 36 holes. So, uh, yeah, we'll get together and play golf. Oh, my goodness, Venice. We were looking at moving down there. So we'll have to talk after the show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick. But before we do, Mickey, say the name of your book again. And where can people go to find more information about you if they (laughs) want to know about your cool retired group or your book or your podcast? Where can they go? The website. I've got a website and it's Cool Retired Women's Club. Cool Retired Women's Club dot. If you okay. go there, it, it talks about me. It talks about, I have three communities. The Cool Retired Women has three communities. So those are all discussed there. There are uh, uh, direct links to the podcast are there, direct links to YouTube videos. There's um, a link to my book. Everything is pretty much right there. CoolRetiredWomensClub.com. Okay. okay. And I'll put that in the show notes and I'll put that here on the video too. So before we wrap up real quick, Do you have a favorite quote? I have a couple of them, but my most favorite quote is Wayne Dyer. When we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. So important for those women who have lived in any kind of abuse or any kind of trauma, because as I said, we we have a choice and it's how we view what we've experienced that, that determines our attitude. And I believe we create our attitude, we create our reality. So by... By changing the way we look at negative things, by saying, yeah, that was that was lousy. That was horrible. I didn't deserve it. Nobody deserves that. But it did happen. And how am I going to deal with it now? And am I going to let it be my downfall or am I going to let it be my strength and become who I am and be able to inspire other women? Because we know we're not alone. We know that almost everybody has had some kind of trauma in their life. And so... Absolutely. We all have. And I think it's important for people to understand that. And we are not alone and we have nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. I talk about that in my TEDx talk, but the word survivor came about and I had it trademarked because I'm not ashamed of my past. I So when I say survivor, people are like, what? And that's when I can share because I think... The more we share, and I tell people, you don't have to go on Oprah like I did <laughs> to share your story unless you want to. You know, the more we talk about it, we are helping others through their story and help them to speak their story so that they can heal. And I want to thank you so much for being here today because you are a prime example of what a true Sir Thriver is after abuse. And I just think you're wonderful, Mickey. Thanks for being here today. <laughs> Well, thank you, Rena. I think the same of you. I love your book. It's powerful, powerful. Thank so, you. Um, 
And your podcast, I'm excited about what you're doing now. I think interviewing women is a great way to go for exactly what you said. We find out we're not alone and that there are good options. There are good. That's what it's all about. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for saying, thanks for saying yes. (laughs) (laughs) More than welcome. Because that's my mission is to show survivors the endless positive possibilities of their potential and how life can be after trauma. We don't have to be stuck in it. So thank you again, Mickey. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And survivors, thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate you so much. And until next time, I wish you peace, love, and ciao for now.